Hey, I'm Sean. And I'm Jesse. And, and we're, we're the, the DMs, DMs of, of Vancouver. Vancouver. We're two newish DMs who are still getting the hang of the whole DM thing. So we sit down with a friend every couple of weeks and pick their brain on their approach to DMing. So come along as we figure out how to help our players have the best time possible at the gaming table. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of DMs of Vancouver. Today we are talking to Haley Barnes. How's it going, Haley? Oh, fantastic. Thanks for asking. <laughs> no problem. Today we're going to be just chatting about Haley's first session as a DM. It's exciting. Yeah, but, but first, how long have you been playing D&D and, and all that kind of stuff? Of course. I have been playing D&D um, for about 15 or 16 years now, on and off. Um, started in high school with a couple of friends and we knew someone who was a little bit older so they we all got together at the local uh, game store played in like this alcovey attic it was really quite something for the setting <laughs> um but since then uh which was three and a half or 3.5 rather three and a half 3.5 um i haven't played fourth edition but skipped right over into fifth cool yeah so overall how did your first session go uh, well, it ended like two hours ago, so it was pretty great. <laughs> I think um, like the overall feeling of it was uh, just having a good time with my friends and exploring this really fantastic module that was already written. Um, I think that it's been talked about a lot on the show, the DMs Guild, um, yeah. and one of the writers, M.T. Black, wrote this adventure about a tower over Neverwinter, and it's about to fall on the town, and you have to figure out why. It was really cool. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I I haven't done very many modules, but it sounds like they're a good way to go for people who are... like I, The only module I've done, basically, is the, the beginner box. Um, oh, yeah. The Lost Minds of Fandelver. And oh, okay. It was pretty nice, like, having everything, like, ready to go, and you know, you still have freedom as a DM to, like, change whatever you want. Of course. And, uh... But it is nice to not have to think about stuff. <laughs> like, yeah. Just knowing that like pretty much everything you need to know is in this nice little book. It was it was nice to have that because it was more of a fallback for me. I'm I'm a pretty like like fastidious person. I like to plan things. And so when I was reading it, it was pretty much like, okay, you start here and then the person shows up and then they put a spell on you to make you go to the tower and then et cetera, et cetera, and all these different steps. And it was, it was interesting to follow the module because the, actually I would say more than a hundred percent of every game I've ever played has been homebrewed. I had never really played a module before. I don't think. Jesse, what I mean, are you? I, I ran Bleeding Gate. Bleeding Gate. Sorry. So I guess the previous one that I played with uh, the group of people, that um, I played with today, Jesse ran for previously for Bleeding Gates. So, but but running a module is is really interesting. I liked it. Well, and like I imagine it helps too for and I you know my first game was homebrew, so I didn't get mm -hmm. the same thing. But like I imagine it helped that like everything was already done, so you could figure out more how you were actually going to like run and do specific things at the table, and didn't have to also worry about making and planning a whole bunch of extra stuff yeah exactly what was what was a little <laughs> challenging for me was trying to figure out how to make the maps because it comes with different maps for the tower like each part of the room and so i 
blew up <laughs> all the maps and made them all myself, and that was the most time consuming for me. Yeah. So, yeah. but kind of kind of related to that, mm. what what did you do to prep other than just making oh, sure. those maps? Like, what was your process like? Um. Well, you sent me the file because you had downloaded a few things, and yeah. I was really taken by the premise of this campaign just the fact that it's a it's a fun story where you're trying to save a town and isn't that what D&D is all about just trying to save a town <laughs> I thought D&D was all about dungeons and dragons cuz it's in the name <laughs> well i guess there's some dungeons in this tower more like there's monsters i guess but there's I mean, no dragons it's very dungeon-esque it's very dungeon that it's like kind of a decrepit yeah. falling apart tower of course. And so to get back to prepping, I I, re, I read and, and reread the module a few times um, just to kind of get a, a feel of the flow. And there were a few places after reading it multiple times where I was like, was that what that actually meant? It kind of seemed a, not disjointed, but there were some parts where I was like, I think I could probably remove this, but tweak it a bit and then put it back in. And like, yes, that that did work better. And then from there, I made the maps all this past week because I like to leave things to the last minute, as you do. And um, yeah, I just kind of reread a few things. But other than that, it seemed really straightforward. I mean, years, I guess we've been together for quite a few years now. And just seeing you prep for games, I just kind of remembered how you went through it and how Ray went through it and that kind of thing. So I didn't have any of that when i when i first started playing because i had played in like one game back in high school and that was it and then i started like i just picked up the box set and i'm like i'm gonna run D &D for friends (laughs) and i like that's where i think the module helped the most because yeah the beginner's box like it had everything i needed uh, so like I didn't need to buy any rule books or anything, and what made it great was that I could like read ahead and I like stuff that I knew I would need mm-hmm. and didn't want to have to like flip back and forth. Like mm-hmm. I made index cards with all the monsters so I'd have their stats ready. Yeah. And like I took I went through the book. I I still have the book around here somewhere, and it's just festooned with uh, post-it notes to like <laughs> bookmark so many different pages, and. Um, yeah, it was quite like I I feel like that's probably where my tendency to over prepare came from was just the fact yeah. that like my first my first time running like I didn't have anybody say like no you don't need to prep all that so I just prepped everything <laughs> just prepped every single thing that you could possibly think of yeah uh, sorry you were saying I don't know oh Go ahead. oh um I is interesting you say that I, I actually got Jesse to help me like figure out what monsters there were and at one point during the game today I definitely didn't tell him about a few and I'm like so those aren't actually going to be animated pieces of armor they're just going to be pieces of armor no big deal <laughs> they're just kind of there in the hallway <laughs> well it was one of those things where before you decided to run the adventure I had looked over it so I was sort of familiar with some of the monsters yeah. but like I hadn't read the context okay but like uh, Kind of getting back to the the initial prepping thing that, that Sean was talking about. Oh, yeah. The first time I did it, I was co-running with Ray. Yes. So I had, and we built an entire setting, which was maybe a mistake. That was wild, man. <laughs> that was a wild thing. <laughs> couldn't even, I couldn't even remember a bunch of the important details. No. Um, but like, I so I had 
someone else to help me along, which mm-hmm. is kind of the difference in how me and Sean started out, right? Because yeah, I've been playing yeah. for a while, and then, like, I, at the time, we lived with Ray, so he could, he was there, and we did a bunch of work together. That's right. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. like, my my first time running D&D was just out of the box set, so I had, like, the module to hold my hands, mm-hmm. but then when I started running my homebrew thing, like, like after after doing this podcast for a year, I realized, yeah. like, I should have just prepped, like, a town and some maybe some backstory of the world, but I did, like, I created a world map. I've got, like, thousands of years of history. I've got a pantheon. <laughs> oh I've gosh. got, like, major events that have happened, and it's just, like... Oh, I didn't wow. need to prep any of that. <laughs> Who's going to ask about that but, 500 years ago in history? When, yeah, yeah. But it's, and if they do, you are prepared, certainly. But it's the one thing that I've noticed um, is that I'm definitely more comfortable being an improv DM. Yeah. Like having played Star Wars in Eclipse Phase, like it's more fun for me when I like, because in, in those, in Star Wars, I'm a huge Star Wars nerd. So I know all the things. I don't oh, need yeah. to worry about it. So I can come up with weird Star Wars sounding shit just off the top of my head. <laughs> and Eclipse Phase is just, you know, the kind of hard-ish sci-fi horror that I really like. So mm-hmm. again, I can just come up with, you know, nonsense jargon terms off the top of my head. But with D&D, like, if I was running in the Forgotten Realms, I would have a lot more trouble. But because it's in my own homebrew world... I can come up with stuff just off the top of my head because I spent like a month and a half creating all this backstory. So like there's been a few times now where the players have been doing something and they ask a question or like they recently were trying to get out of, they were in a, basically the city, the main city that they're in is under siege and they're trying to get sneak out to like the alchemist encampment because nobody wants the alchemist in the city because they tend to blow shit up. Um, (laughs) They do, <laughs> yeah. And and to get out, they had to go through these like catacombs that had like magically sealed doors. Mm-hmm. And I just had some really simple riddles, like just questions and answers. And on two of them, I spiced them up with like a bunch of lore that I was just able to come up with because I knew the world. And that's I think the kind of thing that if I was running in Forgotten Realms or somebody else's module, that I'd just be like, uh, 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 yeah, here's the riddle, go nuts. <laughs> so It's actually interesting you mentioned Forgotten Realms because the module takes place over Neverwinter. Um, but we, we were kind of sharing the setting I was running before. The same players are playing the same characters, and I'm really specifically not running in the Forgotten Realms because I'm not at all familiar with it. So... Um, me and Haley came up with a new name for the town, uh, basically to keep it kind of in line with not being forgotten. Realms. Yeah, yeah. We we came up with with the name uh, Everspring, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm sure has been uh, done done before, but I I never heard of it, so I thought it was it was very clever. <laughs> That's actually something I'm curious about because like I know that I didn't want to run in in Forgotten Realms because. Mm-hmm. There's already so much history there that I would just get lost. And I also wanted to just, I had my own idea that I wanted to do. How much do you, like, do you guys know of many DMs who run specifically in Forgotten Realms? Or is it something that, like, when you hear somebody running in Forgotten Realms, you're like, the mythical unicorn. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I mean, I think I know, like, gosh, um, I feel like, 
the owner of the comic book store is doing Forgotten Realms stuff. Simon? Yeah, Simon. But other than that, I don't know anyone else. I have been exclusively like crazy homebrew games that have done some really weird stuff pretty much the entire time I played Dungeons and Dragons. So I don't know about you, Jesse. So yeah, the people I've been playing with, I don't know about when they were running 3.5, but I know when 4th came out and we were mm-hmm. playing that, we ran in, um, I keep on forgetting the settings name, but basically we took the gods from another setting, which is like kind of a more, it's a specifically a less detailed points of light setting. There's like four or five cities that are important. There are like 10 or 12 gods. Um, the Nentir Vale, I think it's called. Um, so, but the people I played with didn't like the Forgotten Realms, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's partially because there are about a million gods, and there's like there's there's so much detail because they've been writing about it for thirty, forty, however many years. Yeah. Um, however, I think it's becoming more and more common for people to run in the Forgotten Realms as we've kind of we've got this influx of people into the hobby with Fifth Ed, and you know the starter sets there. People are used to like listening to podcasts or actual plays or, or watching on Twitch, and you know that gets used a lot because a lot of the times they're running within the setting or in a partnership with them or whatever. So uh, I think that's and like people, all of the main modules are also set in Forgotten. Yeah, Realms. all the main yeah, modules yeah. and all the Adventure League stuff is Forgotten Realms. Yeah. So it's probably a little bit, and it seems like what they're like. I've heard people complain about what they're doing with the new modules. The 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 because basically every module that's come out for fifth edition is either a rework or um, a like fifty years later of uh, previous modules. Right. So like um, Princes of the Apocalypse is Temple of Elemental Evil, yeah. and the Tavern one is basically a bunch of old first and second oh, edition modules. Yeah, Tales of the Young Portal. Yeah, uh, that's all right. All the way up to 3.5 and May 4th, actually. Yeah, yeah. so they, they're basically just taking a bunch of old stuff and reworking it so that, like... And it, it kind of makes sense because they're able to draw on this, like, rich history that they've got. Yeah. And when, like, somebody plays through a module, they're like, oh, that's cool. And then they find out online, like, there's so much more. Yeah, I was going to say, like, on the flip side of having all that base of rich uh, history for the Forgotten Realms and all the modules that have been made like there's so many amazing homebrew yeah. modules just maybe in the world but then also outside of it too it's it's really quite I quite actually, cool yeah I saw recently something that I want to pick up even though I probably never run it is somebody took the original the very first module for D&D Keep on the Borderlands mm-hmm. they they um exact same setting exact same events they just updated the stats and like um, probably monster composition for fifth edition. Oh cool. oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds cool. Yeah, I've been uh, waiting for someone to make, I think it's called the Right Hand of Doom or something like that. I actually have the 3.5 module for it. I picked it up on DM's Guild a while back, but I keep on kind of waiting for somebody to do the work of transferring the whole thing into fifth ed so I can run it because I keep on hearing amazing things. Mm. But let's let's get back to our main topic. Oh, how, sure. <laughs> how did you think your first session went? Oh, it was it it was fun and it was almost unexpected as well by how much fun I had because I and not that I fret about things but I I do a little just <laughs> you were pretty nervous I was uh, pretty nervous yeah you're right I I found that it went like beyond my expectations I think for 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 initially how I thought um just just the way that um. All of my all of our friends meld together really well, and we all have a really good rapport. And 
our humor is is so on point. Like we'll just break out just a funny quip about something that happened and we'll continue. It it um yeah, I think it went really well. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I you know, I think you did a really good job. Yeah. And from what I've seen on some of from what some of our friends have sent us or oh. sent you, they they, they <laughs> seem to feel that way too. They do, yeah. Yeah, actually one of them was saying how how it felt like as a as a DM, I was on the players' side more than being just like this omnipotent kind of presence, like, and then you go through this door. But it was more of like, hey, so here are these few options. What would you like to do? Like, it was, it was kind of easy breezy, and I liked it. And I feel like if I can find other campaigns or even create my own, then I could probably continue that style. I didn't know I had a play style, and I guess I do. <laughs> Were there any surprises that came up during the session? Stuff that you'd like, you're just like, give me a second, I have to think about this. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> there were quite a few. Um, at one point, we were like just about to end the session, and we had gotten to about... I th- We got... Actually, first of all, we got further on um, into the tower than I thought we would. Same. Uh, yes. <laughs> we got to seven... The seventh floor and there's only 13 so we got halfway which is pretty good in the first like for our first session together and i figured we wouldn't finish it all even though it said four to six hours but we're a bunch of role players we really like to to role play it up and we, we kind of for like an hour and we eat for playing. an hour yeah brunching and D is where it's at folks <laughs> you gotta have a good brunch and then you go and slay some dragons um anyway so they all get to the seventh floor, and I had been looking on the module, and it said, oh, well, you can roll a random monster above fourth level. I'm like, I have, or the, the fourth level of the tower. I'm like, I haven't done that yet. I'll do that right now. And I had forgotten that there was an, also a second, another monster already in that room. I'm like, he won't be in that room. He'll be on the deck outside. And so he was on the deck outside, just standing on the grass. I'm like, but you can see him standing on the grass, even though he's... What was he? It was a, invisible an invisible stalker. Like, but you can see him standing on the grass. So you throw dust at, or like, and I'm like I throw dust at him, and then they had a surprise attack. It was pretty great. So I was actually able to move one of the monsters that was supposed to be in the room outside. That's... It was, it was, it was pretty great. And I, I actually didn't mention I do have a background in improv and acting as well. So it, it kind of lent really well to that, which is really cool. Actually, moving monsters around, I I did that when I was running the beginner box because I was running it for two groups at once. And I had, like, one of the first encounters is, like, you're traveling along the road, then there's an ambush, and then you, you track them back to their, the goblins that ambushed you, you track them back to their cave to try and rescue somebody that was captured earlier. And I remember just switching up a bunch of the, the spots of people the second time I ran it because I'm like, I don't want to do this again the exact same way. I don't care if the players don't know. I know. <laughs> exactly. And I what so it was interesting for me to think about coming into this um, this adventure is that I actually also am now DMing next Saturday for Ray <laughs> and also our friend Chris and Jesse. And so it's just the three of them. As opposed to five people, which was, <laughs> right? First game, let's just do five people. No big deal. <laughs> I can do it. I still think that's about the average amount of players at the at this Three point. people, for me, has always been the average. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird for me because everyone I talk to, with, and it's usually like people who are, are fairly new to the hobby. They're like, we run like for seven people. And I'm like, 
how do you do that? How? <laughs> I, so many people. Yeah, I run for five people, and I love them all to death, but there are times that I wish that it was only three or four, just because yeah. the amount... Because it's not like I have to create more content, but it's mm. it's trying to figure out how to create content and stuff in the world for each of the players. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've kind of got a handle on it now, um, but... Yeah, there's been times where it's just like, I feel like with just like three players, I could spend more time having plots focused on a single player. Whereas right now, I don't feel like I can focus on a single player at all because there's five people. Yeah, and trying to, it, it's almost like having five children, really, because you're trying to, to, <laughs> to put your attention on all of them and you want them all to feel engaged in what you're doing together and... It, it kind of felt like that way almost a little bit. Like I, at one point I looked around like, okay, so so what does uh, your character do? Um, Caitlin, what does your character do? I'm done. Like just I, yeah, talking I've... to them. And I'm like, that's what the other DMs did when I was playing, when I was a player character. Is that what you do now? Do I do that now? I find Yeah, I find <laughs> that when I run run for this group, I tend to make sure that like I'll ask every person yeah. like, and what do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Whereas when I was running for uh, a group of just three people, I did that less because yeah. because it, I feel like the players for the player side they also feel like when there's when there's only three people, when somebody wants to speak up and do something, they're only potentially interrupting two other people, not four. Yeah, yeah, and I know that when there's like say more than three people, that there can be side conversations, and that happened a lot in the games that I played in and so it was like people are role-playing over here and then these two people are trying to talk to the dm and it's it's a bit of a yeah because we a lot obviously like, a lot yeah the only time like one of the few times that anyway let's not be a bummer about it but like <laughs> but yeah like one of the few times that it happened where like two in my group of three people where two people were having a conversation and i was like doing a little bit of dming was because these two people were trying to scam somebody and the other person was off doing something else mm-hmm. they kept being like we need to finish this up because there's only one other person and they, they even the players felt like we're ignoring this other player we need to wrap this up so that right. we can go back to being three people whereas when you have five people if two people are like monopolizing some time they're like oh those three people can talk to each other like it's yeah. probably just a little bit of a psychology thing where if you're cutting out one person you feel bad but if you're cutting out three people you're like they have people to talk to yeah you know, that could be true yeah what's really nice about our group and like uh, especially now that I'm all I'm playing with them as opposed to running for them, mm-hmm. is that like we very instantly made relationships with each other. Like oh, one immediately, yeah. Like it was so cool to see. I was just sitting back and I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. this is so cool. I'm yeah. on this side and they're all having interactions. I'm okay. like, do I do I interrupt them? What do I do? <laughs> and like I was really impressed with with, with everyone, but like especially with Laura because she was immediately like, my character doesn't like you because you kind of fulfill some of the niche that I fulfill and like very literal minded character. So yeah. they're like, yeah, I'm not helping you. I'm not reprising <laughs> enemies when they attack you. <laughs> and like also nice for me is that I have a par- character who doesn't really care. Yeah. Um, it's such like, a cool dynamic to see between characters, and it happened just right away. Yeah, which was which was really nice. Also, as like a new player in the group, because I didn't have to try and be like, "How does my person get in there?" It was just yeah. immediately like, "This character has a crush on my character." Immediately, this person doesn't like me. This person is kind of like an old classmate, 
So, like, we instantly have some connections. And this person is group mom. <laughs> Actually, that's something that I'm, I'm curious about because I've, I've really only ever DM'd and it's really only ever been for, like, the same group for a long period of time. Whereas yeah. you guys have played in a bunch of different groups with different groups of people. Mm-hmm. Something I'm curious about is how does it, like, say you don't do a session zero and so you kind of just, like, sit down with your new character and you're like, okay, what's going on? Like... How do groups tend to, like, form and fall out and, like, that, like, initial play session of, like, figuring out where everybody belongs in the group, how do those tend to go? Like, do they tend to be, like, everybody's on the same page as, like, figuring out, like, this is how we work together as a group? Or do you often find that there's people will create characters and it's just like, I want all the glory for myself? (laughs) Um, Yeah. I find I found I find that a lot, and it, it depends on your group. the The nice thing about this group is like, I mean, they're they're all very lovely people. I like hanging out with them outside of D anD D as well. But they're all very much like they want to experience a story, so you know they'll go along with the, the plot of a module usually, and they'll also do their best to have everyone talking to each other because they, it's you know this is the thing they do for fun where they don't have to worry about outside stuff. So, like, immediately that's very much... They're very mindful of that. Uh, whereas, like, some other groups are not not as good at that. And it's just... It's a matter of play style and a bunch of other things. So that's why it was kind of so surprising and delightful to me this morning when we started playing. And immediately I'm like, oh, my character has three relationships with the four other players. And one of them is just like, haven't really had time to talk to you yet, but you're group mom. Also, I like your crow thing, because my character talks to the crows all the time. so would you say like the majority of groups that you you've both played in either one of you tend to like fall into just like yep we're all just having fun versus like power gamey munchkiny like here to win the game i think um i think for me like echoing a bit of what jesse said there's been a lot of just people like doing the the munchkiny thing like like just kind of we all fall in and then we make a relationship up as we go along. Like kind of, it just becomes natural and fluid and not so this is session zero. And how do we know each other? And we have done that. And I have done that previously. And I know that I've done that with you as well. Yeah. We did that with this group. With this group too. That's right. But, but coming in and just plunking myself down and being like, okay, so there's no session zero for this because it's just, we've all are are established and there's this new person but also let's go (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's tough too because i've played like the new character coming in mid campaign and what i what i found helpful and kind of what i did today was i sat down and i was like one of your characters knows my character you can someone just decide that they know it and we'll figure out why and what that was like and then then we'll just carry on yeah i really appreciate that because i know that with your um i mean a couple years experience DMing, right? Yeah. Um, you know uh, a lot more how to introduce a character and like try to establish those connections. And, and maybe I could have taken some initiative uh, initiative on that and just been like, so how does, like, we should have a connection going in? And maybe yeah. that's, and that's something I'll take forward as well because it's a, it's a positive thing to have. Like, how does your character know like why would you be introduced into this group of four people if not for maybe they know one another or or one person knows another that kind of thing 
I mean, we're lucky with the setting that we have, that we play in, because sure, we yeah. have that built-in reason why people know each other. They all work for an organization. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's 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 one of those things that's always, it can be really difficult depending on who you're playing with. Because also, if like, I'm not a big fan of coming in mid-campaign a lot of the time as a PC, because, you know, we've got all of these people, and they've got pre-built relationships, and like, sometimes they took a long time to foster, and then you walk in and you're like, hi, one of you be my friend. <laughs> And well, it's, it's it's funny because like one of my players uh her character died somewhat recently and she had to roll up a new character and it felt like it's that's it's almost the same thing it's of the like same scenario, it's the same yeah. person but it's a new character so yeah. it's like how does this work and what was really interesting was that because i had already had a bunch of um she, she decided she wanted to play a desert monk and I'm like, okay, well, there's two major deserts on this world. Which one did you come from? She's like, oh, this one. Okay, the one on the other continent. Cool. So how do you know, like, why did you come to this continent? How do you know <laughs> these people? And, like, we, like, talking, why are with, you her, here? <laughs> talking with her, we, we were able to come up with a pretty cool backstory that basically, I think what, ha- like the, what happened in her first session with the new character was really cool because basically she decided that she had been getting visions about the party and like she like from from the gods and she decided like i have to go and help them because that's what my visions are telling me so she she showed up and her character already kind of knew all the other characters but none of them knew her (laughs) so it was this really fun session of her just being like oh it's the angry one and oh you're the oh you're the cleric yeah i know you and they're all just like wait what (laughs) who are you (laughs) and see i I really like that because like when you introduce a new character, the relationships don't necessarily have to be positive. And, like, I like the idea that, like, she comes in and kind of throws them all off balance because, yeah, yeah, I, I already know who you all are from reputation or because I've been, like, literally watching you in my dreams. <laughs> um, like, I feel like, I think it's always a good idea for a DM and for players to try and, like, keep that in mind when they show up and, like, before they show up, too, to, like, being like, hi, you know, you are another player in the group that I know, or, you know, I'm a new character. Can my character know yours somehow? Or or can we agree right now that our characters are going to be rivals, and that'll be a thing that keeps me in the group because we're competing against each other or, or mm-hmm. something like that? Yeah, I think it's, it's one of those things that, from what I've seen online, people talking about, like, because I, I see a lot of people talking about the importance of Session Zero, and I think most of the reason why DMs tend to think that Session Zero is important is because they don't want... They don't want their players to come and sit down and just be like, I don't care about any of you. I'm just here for gold. Like they want their character, the people playing in their games to feel like they're actual people and not just playing a video game because Exactly. Because when people come in with the mindset of they're playing a video game, cuz I had this problem in in the first game I ran actually, was somebody who came in and was treating it like a video game and they started to treat not just the NPCs like video game NPCs, but the other players at the table like video game NPCs and that creates a lot of friction and eventually everybody's just like I don't want to play in this anymore because I am not a person to this other player and having those like connections and stories and making it feel more like a character and less like a video game I feel like that solves a bunch of those like social issues that games can run into yeah exactly so So. um we've talked a bit about how it went and some surprises you had Mm -hmm. um do you want to talk about the method combat a bit? Because we were talking in the car. About oh, we about were. It. Yeah. Yeah, I'll talk about that. Sure. Yeah. So at one point on one of the uh, levels of the tower, uh, they come to a boiler room and it's supplying, 
you know, water and steam, etc. And one of the pipes is busted. And so because this tower is full of elemental power, there's all these steam methods kind of circling in the room. And as soon as people enter, they're like, get out of here and they attack them. And so that's what happened. But there was a lot of them. Like, it ended up being 10 of them. And there's four or five people. I started out with eight, and then I added two more because um, one of the characters failed to turn off the lever that would supply the power to they the... Rolled, they rolled a one. They rolled a one, so I'm like, okay, two more steam methods show up. Which is a pretty, a pretty cool... DM tactic, I think, just like <laughs> tactic, like a battle tactic. But like, it's a pretty cool impro- improvisation thing. Like, you did something cr- uh, that really impacted your role. Okay, so here's m- two more monsters that show up. But it just it took a lot. So the combat itself, um, it took I think maybe three and a half rounds or so, which, as you both know in in uh, fifth edition can take a while if you have five people playing with you and not to mention this was the first encounter i did and so i was running 10 monsters in my first encounter and trying to keep track of it. i'm like how do i keep track of this so i like wrote it down like one this guy's taken however many this guy's taken two and like cross them out and it was this whole thing and i'm sitting here i'm like why did i do this to myself why not just one air elemental what's wrong with me <laughs> or like, but that's what the module called for it said if you want to increase uh the um what is it increase like cr increase the cr or like just increase how hard it the toughness of it add two more <laughs> methods like really oh no <laughs> and i mean they're lower level monsters but it just it's not how I thought the first encounter would go for me. It kind of felt almost a little disjointed, but the following encounters after that felt so much more smooth. And it was usually just the one monster. And so 